I got rid of the shackles that bound me And the guards that were always around me There were tears on the mail Mother wrote me in jail But I'm free from the chain gang now All the years I was known and respected Till one day I was wrongly suspected I was shackled in chains In the cold freezing rain But I'm free from the changing now My name is Simon Carver and welcome to Dagnall Street Baptist Church's podcast service for Sunday the 14th of August. For today's podcast we're looking at a story in which Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath. This had ramifications but Jesus dealt with these and sent his accusers away with their tails between their legs. It's a story about setting someone free and our first song, one of Johnny Cash's last recordings, is about being set free. Our last song expresses a desire for freedom, and another song during the course of the podcast is a reworking of John Newton's classic hymn about being set free. The main notice today is that this will be the last podcast until the 4th of September, as I shall be on leave for two weeks. And now our call to worship, some verses from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, 
who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Amazing grace, my 
Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we can never see you in all your fullness, all your glory, all your majesty. Your greatness is beyond our understanding, your deeds beyond our imagining, your love beyond our deepest yearning. You are the God we adore, certain, secure, and sure. You are God from one generation to the next, not waning or changing, but forever our God. We are so thankful, Lord, that you see us for what we are, for who we are and where we are. You know us by name. You know us through and through. Ashamed of ourselves as we are at times, we are thankful that you stick with us, persevere with us, encourage our good intentions and forgive our failings. We are thankful for all the help, support and guidance we've been given. We are thankful that people throughout our lives have introduced us to you, to your ways, to your love, to your power and glory. We are thankful that in your name people have noticed us and picked us up and guided us. We are thankful that you have led others to lead us and reach out to us. We are thankful for a rich history recorded in the Bible, stories of prophets, priests and kings, stories of love, help and healing. We give you thanks and praise, Lord God, for all the ways and all the people through whom you are revealed to us. But we come to with our prayers of confession. God, all people are part of your created order. All are worthy of love and respect, care and attention, justice and equality. Forgive us if our prejudice excludes people. Forgive us if our views are entrenched and misguided. Forgive us if we fail to see people as equals. Forgive us if in our zeal to worship we exclude so many. Forgive us for our excuses that stop us responding to the needs of others and to your command to love as you love us. We do not understand how you can forgive us again and again. Lord, yet we have again confessed our failings, our shortcomings, our wrongdoings, our sins, and that promise of yours still stands. My child, go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. And so, let us go, and let us serve the Lord. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 13, beginning at verse 10. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, 
he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God! But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, You hypocrites! Each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for eighteen years. Isn't it right that she be released, even on the Sabbath? This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Anyone who knows anything about Jesus will know that he performed miracles, and most of these were miracles in which people were healed of physical or spiritual ailments. In this, Jesus was a GP, a general practitioner, in that he didn't specialise in skin diseases, ophthalmic conditions or orthopaedic medicine. Jesus' door was open to all comers, and it didn't matter what it was that afflicted those who came. He healed them all just the same. If Jesus healed all who came to him, what we have in the New Testament of our Bible must surely be a small selection. So what makes these healings especially worthy of mention? One answer to this question is nothing, in that the healings that got mentioned are just a sample of the sort of miracles Jesus performed. He could heal blindness and give the ability to communicate back to people who'd lost the power to hear and speak. He could bring life back to a withered limb, be it arm or leg, he could heal that most dreadful of conditions, leprosy, and he could even raise the dead. Some of these healings are repeated by the different writers of the Gospel stories, but not the one that we heard today. Only Luke tells us the story of the woman whose back was bent. Now, while not wanting to minimise the effect of a condition, this healing doesn't have the jaw-dropping qualities of a man's demons being cast into a herd of suicidal pigs. But a woman with back problems? Well, surely that's something a physiotherapist or chiropractor might have had a reasonable stab at achieving. Well, that certainly seems like the sort of thinking that went on when the other three Gospel writers were doing their final edit. We know that they had a tough job deciding what to include and what to leave out, because, as John tells us, Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So, why did Luke include this story and yet the others didn't? To answer that question, we shall need to dig a bit deeper into what happened. For 18 years, the woman, we're told, had been crippled by a spirit. The authorised version of the Bible translates literally the meaning of the words that Luke wrote and there we find that the woman had a spirit of infirmity. This is an expression that one still hears in certain evangelical Christian circles. One meaning is that a person is possessed by a spirit that causes a specific problem, 
Another interpretation is that this is simply a Semitic turn of phrase. Possessing a spirit of infirmity means that someone is infirm. Possessing a spirit of blindness means someone is blind. Someone I know referred rather facetiously to someone having a spirit of laziness, which we might interpret as being lazy. So, was Luke saying simply that this woman was crippled, or was he attributing her condition over 18 years to demon possession? Now, when I present alternatives like these, I tend to find that the answer is often both. However, in this instance, I believe that the answer is neither. Jesus certainly makes a link between the woman's health and the presence of evil in the world, as he states that the woman had been bound by Satan and that she was now free. However, while this connection is made, so indicating that this is not simply a case of a disease like spondylitis, no demon is either addressed, as is the case elsewhere when Jesus encountered demons, and nor is a spirit said to have been cast out. So what Jesus seems to be saying here is that what we have is a woman who has been under the thrall of a condition that is part of a wider malaise. And this is an important element of what happened, and we'll come back to it again a little later. Many was the time that Jesus was approached by someone in need of healing for themselves or a family member. There was that Gentile woman who wanted Jesus to heal her daughter, and a Roman centurion who wanted help for his servant. Sometimes people just asked, and other times they came and they threw themselves at his feet. Other times, as was the case with another woman, they came furtively, hoping to touch Jesus or even just touch the hem of his cloak without being noticed. The most elaborate means by which someone came to Jesus was the case of the man who was lowered by his friends through a hole in a roof. But this woman didn't come to Jesus. Actually, Jesus noticed her and came to her. It all happened when they were all together at church one Sunday morning. Well, it was actually a Saturday, because although Jesus was the Lord, no one had told him that the Lord's Day was Sunday. And so they met on Saturday, the Sabbath, to read and discuss the scripture, and on this occasion it was Jesus who was teaching. He noticed the woman and called her over to tell her that she had been set free from her condition. She didn't immediately stand straight. This happened when Jesus touched her. It was Jesus who was proactive in this situation. It was Jesus who saw someone who needed to be made straight, and he did something about it. We also see that this was someone who was part of the congregation of those who worshipped God in the unnamed village that was somewhere on the route that Jesus was taking from Galilee down to Jerusalem. She was there, unnamed and unnoticed by everyone. Well, everyone except Jesus. So we've seen that we have someone who, while not possessed by a demon, suffered from a condition which was symptomatic of the presence of evil in the world. And now we see that, unlike many whom Jesus healed, this woman was called by Jesus. She didn't choose to come to him. We are told that the woman was bent. I've just said that Jesus saw someone who needed to be made straight. The words righteous and unrighteous are used in the Old Testament to describe a person's character, but they are derived from the idea of being physically upright. And we retain the sense in which the words straight and bent can be applied to someone's character or personality. A person is referred to as an upright citizen and a corrupt policeman as a bent copper. There is no suggestion here that this woman was anything other than moral, 
yet it is likely that we are to read something more into her condition than that she suffered from curvature of the spine. It might not be taking speculation too far to wonder whether her back had not been broken by the load she'd been made to carry. In many parts of the world, a woman may have to earn the money to support her family as well as doing the necessary physical work to run her home. Women are also under threat in other ways. While the global population continues to rise, the number of female children is decreasing as a result of selective abortions, infanticide and lethal neglect. Where basic resources are scarce, female children suffer unfavourably and lose out in the competition for food, health care and education. For most women in the West, it's different. But still many women suffer physical abuse at the hands of men they know, and men who should love them. I've read that more women are injured as a result of domestic violence than through car accidents and muggings combined. It might be stretching things a little, but by and large it is women who suffer the pressures to bend their bodies according to an idealised image. Dieting, uncomfortable clothing and cosmetic surgery are all ways in which women's bodies are bent. It's not just Chinese women who wear shoes that bend their feet. The way that biblical commentators have dealt with this woman is consistent with the way in which female backs have been bent by the pressure applied to them. While demon possession and a physical condition such as spondylitis or TB are often diagnosed for this woman's condition, hysteria is not ruled out. I've read that Sigmund Freud diagnosed most of his female patients with hysteria and claimed that it was an innately female disease that affected their ability to function in society. This seems a strange diagnosis. Many biblical scholars, predominantly those who are male, have likewise seen this woman's condition as psychosomatic. What is surely more likely, bearing in mind what Jesus has said about sin in the world, is that it is oppression of this woman by a sinful society that has caused her back to bend. It is this oppression that Jesus has come to lift, this symptom of a sinful world that is the physical and psychological oppression of women. Jesus has come to lift the burden from the backs of women and of men, and he put down a marker when he told this woman to stand straight. The aftermath of what happened between Jesus and the woman is a surprise. A woman had been healed, and yet the leader of the synagogue wasn't happy. Perhaps fearing a queue of people turning up at Sabbath meetings, expecting to be made better, he turned to the rest of the congregation and said that there were six other days in the week. Couldn't they get healed then? You see, there were rules about these things. There were rules about what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. A few years ago, a new parents' accommodation unit was opened at Great Ormond Street Hospital, which enabled the parents of Jewish children to stay overnight on the Sabbath. Orthodox Jews will not carry keys or use a lift during the Sabbath, and so special arrangements were made in this new block to enable these parents to be close to their children, but also keep the Sabbath. At a time when Jewish identity was under threat, the religious leaders were concerned to maintain the boundaries that marked them out as distinctive. A comparable contemporary example might be made amongst certain Muslims whose religious distinctives have become more noticeable as they have become fearful of a perceived threat from Western society, if in no other way than culturally. 
The synagogue leader quoted the broad gist of scripture at Jesus, which certainly does say that labour is to be restricted to six days, while on the seventh day, the Sabbath, no one, not even an ass or an ox, is to work. Jesus knew the law as well as the synagogue leader, and he also knew that anyone who owned an animal used their common sense. While it might not be allowed for an ox to pull a plough on the Sabbath, the animal still needs to eat and drink, and would need to be untied and led to the trough. So, Jesus was saying, let me get this right. It's okay for you to untie an animal and let it drink and feed, but it's not okay for me to untie a woman who has lived under the oppression of Satan for 18 years. Put like that, it was hard to argue. Was this woman, a daughter of Abraham, of less value than a donkey or an ox? The synagogue leader was a spent force in the argument, and the crowd seemed to have enjoyed seeing him having been bested by Jesus. The incident has often been interpreted as a story of how Jesus confronted the rigid boundaries of the religion of his day. And that's clearly an element in the story, but to concentrate on it is to fall into the same trap as the leader of the synagogue. You see, the story is about a woman and how Jesus made her straight. And if we try to make it about rules and regulations, we are, once again, sidelining this daughter of Abraham, who is surely worth more than an ox or a donkey, or even a law about the Sabbath. Jesus comes to people in need. He straightens them out and says that people are more important than rules. You remember that story that Jesus told about a lost sheep? It's not unconnected with this incident in the synagogue. Just as the sheep was sought out and incorporated into the fold, so this woman was made upright and restored to the community. A Christian church should be a community where women and men find God. A Christian church should be a place where women and men can come and find healing. But how often is it more the case that the Christian church is an institution where people find rules? Is that a picture of our church? Is this a community in which Jesus meets people who are bent over by the oppression of a sinful world? Is this a community in which people find God and are found by God and made right by him? Is this a community in which people are more important than rules and regulations? This story reminds us that mercy is more important than law. It also reminds us that in God's kingdom, the lowly, like this woman, are lifted up, while the mighty, like the synagogue ruler, are brought down. The two themes are connected in that in receiving the mercy of God, the woman is lifted up. And it is this that is God's rule, not the laws that were right and good as a means of protecting the sheep, but of no help when it came to lifting up one of the flock that had been brought low. God's rule is the basis of God's kingdom, which is that the marginalised are healed and brought into a society that prefers to ignore them. They are lifted up and made straight and restored to their rightful place in God's kingdom. So the message of this incident is that we who form a Christian community must ensure that it is a place where God's kingdom, that is his rule of mercy, is found. It is God's plan for us, as it is for all communities in which Jesus is Lord, that here people should find God and be found by God and know his healing love. That is one message of this incident. The other is addressed to anyone, like this woman, who needs to be made straight. You see, a church, any church, is not a place for good people. 
It's a place for people who have acknowledged a need to be made clean, to be made straight. One way in which we hear the message of this story is as people who must welcome the one who seeks healing. But if we imagine that this is the only way in which we hear this story, we lose sight of the fact that we all need healing. We all need to be made straight. We all need to know God's mercy. There is a Cotswold village called Filkins that was known for its wool. There is a story told there about the local shepherds who, when they died, were buried with a piece of wool in their coffin. The idea was that this would indicate to St Peter that this was a shepherd, and so they had an excuse for their irregular attendance at church. I have a feeling that this is a story of which the synagogue leader would have disapproved, but Jesus may well have liked. I sometimes say by way of invitation to the Lord's Supper, come, not because you must, but because you may. This is the basis of our community. It's not a community of ought, it's a community of love. Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. May we be a community where the lost can be found, and may Jesus find us, whether or not we know that we're lost. Shepherd of my soul, come dwell within me. Take all I am and mold your likeness in me. Before the cross of Christ, this is my sacrifice. A life laid down and ready to follow. Prisoners that release from chains of anger in springs of living grace, I find a resting place to rise refreshed, determined to follow. Yeah. 
search Christ's depths and ever to follow To search Christ's depths and ever to follow Let us pray. Our God, we thank you for the week just past. We pause for a moment to remember times when we felt ourselves to be vulnerable. We thank you for the moments when you were clearly present, perhaps in helping us to feel your peace, or in nature, or through the word or touch of friends and family. We ask you to help us see you even more clearly in the week ahead, and even when we can't feel you, help us to trust that you are there and you do care. Lord, you know all our vulnerabilities. Help us to put our trust in you. Father, we pray for all who are expecting exam results this week. The culmination of all they have worked for will soon be in their hands. We rejoice with those who have achieved what they hoped for, and we ask for your comfort and strength for those who will be disappointed. We ask for wisdom and guidance for our young people as they decide what to do next with their lives. Our God, we lift to you the vulnerabilities we face in this country around the spiralling energy costs and the bills we will need to pay. We know that many people are afraid of what is already facing them with predictions of worse to come. We pray that the authorities will act quickly to alleviate the situation as soon as possible in a fair way for everyone. Our God, we pray for places in our world where there is division. We pray for families in crisis, especially any known to us. We ask for your comfort and love to surround all children in the care system. We pray for help for all who are bullied or abused. And we lift to you countries in conflict, especially Gaza and Israel, Yemen, Afghanistan, Ukraine and Russia, Myanmar. We cry to you to bring peace and courage to all those who are being persecuted for following you. Creator God, we know that our planet, this beautiful world you have made, is currently in crisis and it is because of our misuse of resources. We pray for all those who suffer most because of our recklessness, particularly those who live in areas of famine or in places of drought where there used to be plenty. We pray for our own farmers, struggling with lack of rain. We ask that grain stored in Ukrainian ports may soon get to those who need it most. We cry to you our sorrow for the cutting down of rainforests, melting of polar ice and hotter and hotter weather. We are sorry for our misuse of this vulnerable, beautiful planet. Our God, we pray for our health service and for all who work in the NHS. We thank you for their love, care and support for us when we are vulnerable. We pray for all those awaiting operations or consultations and all who have been adversely affected by the pandemic. We pray for all those who are adversely affected by the current heat wave. We lift you now those we know who are ill or struggling at this time. We pray for those who care for the elderly and housebound. 
We pray for those who are dying or mourning the loss of a loved one. Our God, we focus now on the week ahead of us. We bring to mind moments where we might feel ourselves to be vulnerable. We ask you to go before us into every situation to pave a path of peace in front of us. Help us to be alert to others in our community or workplace who might be feeling vulnerable this week and give us the courage to put aside our weaknesses so that we can support others. Help us to trust that you know everything about us and care for every situation in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for being there. Lord, you know all our vulnerabilities. Help us to put our trust in you. Amen. Oh 
Our last song, written by Bill Taylor and sung by Nina Simone, is called I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free. But before that, a final prayer. The kingdom of God we are given is unshakable. Therefore give thanks to God for it. And so worship God as he would be worshipped, with reverence and awe in all that you do. Amen. It means 